everybody out in the digital audio world. We are back with another episode of Kendall versus Kendall presented by Jensen USA. My name is Jeff Kendallweed and I'm joined by my co-host Seth Kendall. How's it going, Seth? Doing all right, man. Good to be back on the microphone with you. It's been a little while. You had uh, the Kyle Warner interview, which was super rad. Loved hearing that one. So and I'm good to be back a... myself, though. Yeah, it's good. Um, everyone, if you're new to the podcast, this is all about pulling back the curtain and all things bike-related that drift through Seth's or my, my own brain here. We are both veterans in the bike industry. Seth here works at Jensen USA. I've worked at IBIS, WTB, and now I'm full-time content creator. But on today's Kendall vs. Kendall episode, we have a guest who could be described as the man behind the legend. If you're yeah. into bikes even a little bit, then you're familiar with Chris King Precision Components. They make some of the best headsets, bottom brackets, hubs, and tons more. Today we're joined by Kirby Bedzall, the general manager at Chris King over in Portland. Welcome to the show, Kirby. Hey, thank you very much, Jeff. It's uh, quite an honor to be here, guys. So, Seth, Jeff, thank you very much for uh, having me on. Yeah, man. Stoked to have you here. So, I'm going to do a little introduction here because uh, Kirby and I kind of stumbled upon each other uh, through a mutual friend. Uh, they do a, a cool event thing called Swarm Events where they go out to local trails and basically they just post up with their Sprinter van and a keg of beer and a sign, like a, a billboard or a little signboard thing that just says, you know, back at X o'clock, meet us here for beers and hanging out. And my buddy and I, a buddy from Giant, we were out riding trails um, and we saw the sign and we were like, oh man, we're going to miss that, whatever. And we roll back down and they're still drinking beers. And so we had this delicious <laughs> beer, uh, trailside. It was awesome. Uh, it was my first time meeting Chris King himself, the cool. actual uh, legend Chris King. But uh, then kind of funny wise, uh, I'd been at the open house for Chris King the year before and had kind of made a, a friend there who lives out in Hood River. And turns out I sit down next to Kirby and we have this mutual friend, Gary, who this mystical beast himself. <laughs> uh, but then Gary and I, or Kirby and I have become pretty good friends now and we ride a lot together. So, Absolutely. Yeah, and actually rode today. So That yeah, was fantastic. Fantastic besides being hot. And uh, uh, Jeff, we did realize something though, that this is the one time in both of our lives where we are better riders than you. <laughs> today. <laughs> today, yeah. <laughs> In two weeks, totally different story. <laughs> but today, I jumped higher than you can. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about you quite a bit, Jeff, on the trail. So, yeah, oh man, I wish I could have been there. That would have been awesome. Were you, so, yeah. you guys were mountain biking proper. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was good. We hit the Post Canyon trails, and uh, cool. besides being real loose in the upper portion, especially uh, trails were super fun. Basically, no one out because it's hot today. So we had a we had a great time. That uh, was anyone's headset or bottom bracket creaking. I just have to ask. Uh, no one's. I did hear a squeak from Kirby's brakes. Yeah, but a little, little squeaking going on. And I think, you know, this dryness out here yeah. uh, this time of year, it's really pretty hard to make anything not kind of creaking. Yeah, I got to sure. leave my chain all bit. the time, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I was Anyways, riding with uh, a friend over the weekend, and I, my buddy and his wife are visiting us, and he's like, yeah, her bike's making this clicking sound when she pedals. And there are no Chris King parts on her bikes, unfortunately, but fortunately in this case. And I'm like, sure, whatever, a clicking whatever sound just ignore it you'll be fine yeah. five minutes later oh my goodness what is that and it's just one of those crazy loud sounds where like 
you think it's got to be a bottom bracket or something, but no amount of futzing with it could fix it. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So my most recent ride had plenty of creaking and clicking. Yeah. Plenty of noise. Yeah, and it's always the bottom bracket, right? Like, it doesn't matter what's actually causing the noise. It always sounds like it's coming from the bottom bracket. So awesome. Well, Jeff, how's the recovery going on your end? Obviously, some, you know, you did not get to ride with us today, which we no, were No, I about. wish. Oh. First ride back for me was Friday. I uh, did three really hard days on the bike and then took a day off to work under the house in the crawl space, which was harder on the pelvis than actually <laughs> riding. Yeah, mm -hmm. I even had to take a friend to the hospital while on one of those rides, too. He went over the bars, smashed his back, got a concussion. Then he passed oh, out on us in the car later on. Yeah. Rowdy. So, yeah, I know. And it was like a few hours after the whole crash that the pass out happened. So we had, at least Ugh. I wasn't the one on the bed at the hospital. He's fine now. But yeah, that yeah. was a scare. But anyhow, I'm, I'm up and riding. Not 100%, but every day I feel much better. So I'm doing well. Awesome. Well, we can't wait to have you back to full form. Uh, you <laughs> Thanks. Know, but, but baby it, you know. We, we want you back to full form, not bit full form. Yeah. So I actually had a buddy, this was um, just, what, three, four days ago, who was on a ride with me, too, and uh, ended up having a tire blow off and uh, broke his hand. And Ooh, kind, of a, kind of a big deal because he's a dentist. So oh. um, that's kind of a thing. But yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Ouch. but he's recovering. Surgery's done. It's all good. So We should do an episode on body armor. I think that's the... <laughs> Not a bad idea. All right. Well, if you guys want to hear something about body armor, let us know. We'll, we'll gladly do that. So. Everyone email skendall at jensenusa.com with <laughs> yep. your episode ideas or horror stories. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Well, very cool. Um, I say, like, let's jump in and do some stuff with uh, Chris King, because uh, that's what Kirby's here for. And, uh, and Kirby, how do you pronounce your last name? It's Bedsall. Bedsall. Okay. Yep. That's kind of yep. close. Yeah, you're totally close, man. <laughs> cool. Uh, on a slightly interesting note, so Kirby and I, get, again, we ride together a lot, and um, Timberline Bike Park has kind of just recently opened up, and it's a real soft opening. Uh, Is that Kirby the park called, on Mount Hood? Yeah, on Mount cool. Hood. Yeah, cool. and like 10 years in the making. I mean, this is crazy how long it's taken them. Um, but they uh, just opened up, and Kirby was like, hey, man, you want to go? So I joined him for an afternoon. Super fun time. But one of the things we learned while we were going up on the lift, because it's time to talk, is that Kirby and I actually share the same birthday. So oh, cool. if ever October 25th rolls around and you guys just want to wish us happy birthday, feel free. We'll, we'll lovingly take it. Absolutely. <laughs> so. And you probably won't be able to get a hold of us, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. There we go. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you guys cool. are both going to be 32 this year? Oh, man, 21. What are Definitely. you talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 21. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, let's get started. Um, let's get to know Kirby a little bit. You guys out there on the podcast world definitely know who Jeff and I are at this point. You know, we've been doing this for a little bit. Um, but Kirby, um, like we said, you're a little bit of the man behind the legend, uh, Chris King himself, who is a real person, just so everyone out there does know. <laughs> he is real. real. He is still awesome and uh, a great writer, great gentleman. But Kirby, you are kind of the guy that runs the show behind all of that. So what's your kind of personal history? Like, uh, how'd you get into the bike industry? Oh, man. So, uh, wow, I've been in bikes for a long time, several decades now. Um, you know, back in the 90s, I, um, you know, got into mountain biking. Uh, actually, before that, I think it, uh, it was probably about 92, if I go back right, was my first experience on a mountain bike in the Midwest. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When Gary Fisher started doing mountain bikes. Nice. Um, 
And uh, from there, it just kind of, you know, I just found, I've always found cycling as a way to kind of escape. Um, it was always my means of transportation as a kid and stuff like that. So I just always had like, you know, two wheels was great. Yeah. You know, rode dirt bikes and stuff like that as a kid. And, um, but then um, after uh, I, lived, I left the Midwest and went out, out west to uh, Jackson, Wyoming, spent several years there and whatnot, I really started experiencing, you know, kind of what the old school mountain biking is now. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just loved bikes. Um, so, you know, 25 years, 30 years in it. Yeah. Um, then I actually went to school to, uh, be a CNC programmer and, um, I wanted to take that into cycling in some way. Um, and that's kind of how I ended up, uh, applying at Chris King and, uh, yeah, race mountain bikes applied, uh, out of Chris King as being a CNC programmer. Didn't even get anywhere near that. Uh, ended up in sales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Classic. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, from there on, it's kind of been, you know, I've been with Chris for over, uh, on and off now for over 19 years. Was that in Portland when you first got hooked up with him? No, no. I got hooked up with Chris right when he moved from Santa Barbara to Redding, California. Okay. Yeah. So uh, moved out to Redding, California right when they moved the facility out there. And, and you're moving uh, from Jackson. Well, actually, my story's kind of silly. Um <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I moved. I lived in Jackson for quite a while. Now met who is now my wife, uh, Lynn. Uh, ended up in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. That's where we went to school. Got the job with Chris. Moved out to California um, after I graduated. And yeah, and uh, been working with Chris kind of on and off ever since then. So um, when the company moved out to Portland, I helped get the company ready to move to Portland, and then I actually moved to North Carolina. So I lived in Asheville, North Carolina for 10 Such years um, yeah. with my wife being from Tennessee, Johnson City, which is mm-hmm. just 60 miles north of Asheville. Um, and then had my own businesses there. I uh, was in the finance business, had a couple car lots. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Started, uh, I was one of the founders of Asheville Cyclecross. So started a cyclocross series. Um, and they just worked with Chris on and off when I could. You know, it was just kind of more of a relationship. Um, and just kind of like more of a liaison um, whenever I could. I go to shows with him if he needed me to or, or attend an event. And, of course, I was really big in the cycling community anyways. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, after I sold all my businesses, he, we kind of rallied back together. I was like, you ready to come back west and help me run this thing? So I said, sure, why not? So that's in a nutshell. Like yeah. I, yeah, I could go on for quite a while about who I am. <laughs> I was not expecting the, the car lot aspect of this. Oh, yeah. I, I, got a, uh, I got quite a bit of a financial background. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, car lot, consumer financing. I, was a, I worked for banks. Man. Yeah, did a bunch of Wild. different stuff. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're glad you're in bikes. Bikes are way Oh, bikes are awesome, cars. man. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. And I like a good car, but yeah, yeah, I, like nah. a, I like a bike way better. So Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so on a kind of personal level, what, uh, what kind of riding are you mainly into? Like you obviously mentioned cyclocross yeah. and stuff. However, you and I have done none of that since we've <laughs> met each other. So what kind of riding do you, uh, do you like and, uh, you know, what kind of bikes are yeah. in your quiver? Well, uh, obviously, mountain biking is my number one go-to, right? Love mountain biking, um, especially now with the way bikes have progressed into where they are today and the trails, mm-hmm. how the trails have progressed, right? It's just, it's so much fun. It's just, you can get so many different people almost on one, the same trail and, yeah. and really enjoy it. Um, where before it was very old school single track, you know, you really had to have some skills, you know, or, 
yeah. whatnot to, to ride together. Yeah. Um, so mountain biking is really fun. I really enjoy that. Cyclocross, I definitely have a deep, deep love for cyclocross. Um, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's one of those things that I really got into when I was in California um, in, in the early 2000s. And we even did a couple different cyclocross races at the plant at Chris King in Redding, California. Wow. Actually, Shasta Lake next to Redding, California. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was just one of those things that th- there's just this attraction in cyclocross of, and actually, actually, when I got older and I became a father, I realized like, you can't, the, trying to road ride at a high level or not even a high level, just like an amateur high level, right? Whatever was really hard because of the time that you had to put in. And the thing that I really got into cyclocross was you could go out and just, you know, just run yourself in the ground for an hour and a half. And that was what you needed. Right. And then you could be somewhat competitive on the weekend. And if so I kind of looked at it as like a really cool, like dad sport, you know, like, ah, cool. you know, that makes sense. yeah. Um, but you know, so then bikes quiver, you know, the quiver of bikes I've got, you know, obviously I'm riding, a, I'm riding a Bronson, the new Bronson Santa Cruz, okay. and I absolutely yeah. love it. Um, it's a fantastic bike. Um, and then, um, as, what, what kind of bearings does that have? Yeah, right. You know what kind of bearings that has. <laughs> fast ones. <laughs> fast ones. That's right. <laughs> ones that I can service, ones that are fast. Right, right. right. Um, and then my sucker cross bike is uh, is a Cielo, or the bikes that we used to make. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a it's a steel Cielo, and uh, absolutely love it. You know, it's a, it's it's a good geometry for me, anyways, like yeah. that. And um, and then actually on the road side, I don't have a road bike. I just ride my Cielo. So I'm I've I, I converted over to a, like when I started riding cross a lot. I really well, it was kind of even before gravel was yeah. really you know, like this thing. Right. So used to ride a lot of gravel roads and I just got to a point. I'm like, why would I, I don't need to ever own a road bike for my style of riding. I would rather just have all the versatility. Um, you know, I wasn't like I was out crit racing or anything like that. So it was kind of like, yeah, you just need one really solid cyclocross bike and you're, you're good to go. You know, your whole quiver is just the Bronson and then this yellow cross bike. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got a lot of custom bikes that I've gone through. Like I've got the DeSalvo and the Inglis and you know, all those bikes had a single speed for a long time. Yeah. I rode a single speed for, Oh my gosh, like 10 years. Yeah. Um, but right now, yeah, it is, it is, it is just my Bronson and, and my, uh, Cielo. And I feel the two bikes, can handle what I need to do, you know? It's like, it's sounds, good. Sounds like you need a dirt jumper for the pump well, track. Well, we have been talking about <laughs> so, that. yeah. Yeah, don't get me started on that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, very cool. Um, yeah, I think probably time to start talking about parts a little bit, right? Let's. Yeah, although I do want to ask Kirby real quick. So this whole podcast is going to be about bikes, about working at Chris King, yada, yada. Real quick, we know you're a dad, but what other things do you do outside of bikes? Oh, man, skiing. I love skiing. Yeah. Uh, love backcountry skiing. Uh, that was really kind of my passion before almost cycling, um, was skiing. Um, so I love doing that. Um, so when winter comes and actually Seth and I were just talking about that today, which I really, the, the nice thing about that is you get a break from cycling and you get to kind of put your stuff away for a little bit, which gives you time to kind of reabsorb and reanalyze things and when you come back to the bike you're like really re-energized for it and it's just this you just get this this like kid excitement again and uh i I, you know so uh, skiing is definitely a um is a big component of my life outside of cycling and then my family i mean i love my kids and my wife so it's like well whatever i can do with them 
I don't, whatever they want to do, it doesn't matter. I'll do it with them. Right. Right on. Do you guys yeah. all ride bikes together or are the family not as much into it? Oh no, they're into it. Actually, we're heading to Oak Ridge uh, this weekend to go ride Alpine trail. And yeah, awesome. my kids, are, my kids are 13 and 11 and they're shuttling. And, and <laughs> actually my daughter just turned 14. She'd shoot me if I said 13, but uh, <laughs> she turned 14 August 1st. But, um, yeah, so they're into, they're into it. We go to bend quite a bit because the trails there are very, condu- you know, really good for kids totally, uh, and, and new, and new people. So yeah, we do a lot of stuff. Then we ski all winter together. So they're, they're active kids, so it's great. Awesome. And, yeah. uh, right now, Kirby and I have been dabbling on learning how to kiteboard. Uh, so, oh, so wow. That's, that's a new one for us. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're playing in that market. And then since it's so hot today, we're going to go out and do some stand-up paddling out on the river just to cool off. So I wouldn't be surprised be if Kirby takes the whole, like – parachute sail thing whatever you call it and brings it to his skis and starts speed skiing with one right of actually i ski with a guy who does that so, oh my gosh yeah yeah that yeah. stuff's bonkers <laughs> bonkers well, very cool all right well so you want to talk a little bit on products here um obviously you guys are all um probably familiar with chris king and if you're not um chris king has been kind of in the hubs, bottom brackets, uh, and headset game for quite a while, producing really high-end, beautifully uh, machined, and great color selection, uh, bottom brackets, hubs, all that kind of stuff. Um, And one of the things that is rad is just like the absolute quality of Chris King bits. So like what actually separates your hubs and bearings and all those things from kind of the rest of the crowd of those products. <laughs> wow, you're diving right in. Yeah, yeah. let's get deep. It's a big well, question. Yeah, it is a fantastic question, and it's not an easy question. Um, so, uh, wow, what separates us? Let me make sure I put this question in my head here. What separates us? Um, something that we always talk about at work, too. Um, a lot of people have, like, one item or something that they kind of, take, you know, like, hang themselves, you know, something mm-hmm. on or an idea on that says, hey, this one thing is what really separates us from, from the field. And uh, it's really funny we're talking about this because I was just – we were talking about this with our marketing team and our engineers and talking about our bearings and how do we talk about that to the outside world, you know, yeah. um, because we make those ourselves. And um, it was kind of like, well, what is the one thing? And we really come down to it's not one thing. Um, it's a whole series of things that create the overall better product. Yeah. So it, it's not like you, you give marketing this one piece, right, and say, hey, this is the one thing that, that works better. It's like, no, it's all of these things put together okay. makes yeah. the product better. So it's really not, you know, I can't just say, well, it's just that one piece. It's... Everything, especially if you talk about our bearings, and let's just talk about that for a yeah, second. Yeah, let's right? start there. Yeah, yeah, because I think that's at the core, at least. Yeah. It is. It is the core, and, and and we haven't talked about it much through the whole history of Chris King. Um, we've you know we've talked about it on the sense that we make them. Yeah. But what does that mean to the consumer? Right. Yeah. Okay. Great. You make them. Awesome. Okay. A lot of people make bearings, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I have Jeff. Yeah. I, I have a whole bunch of nice. pieces here. Yeah. Okay. I wish you were sitting here so I you know, could see too. some of these things here, but um. So, you know, um, I think the thing that really starts to separate us is, is Chris designed these bearings for a specific reason or, or in a specific application, right? It wasn't just a ball bearing and two races and they, you know, they yeah. spin, right? And here's the ball. And so, you know, Chris really analyzed, well, what do these bearings have to do? 
how how what do they do, you know where do they get applied and yeah. how do they need to work and um in a hub it it's definitely not the same as a car part or anything like that the hubs don't spin that fast they don't and you know you're hubs not and like, headsets are totally different applications as absolutely well. hubs and headsets are completely different right yeah. like i mean a headset never spins around right nope so ideally you know, it doesn't <laughs> well yeah i mean even it's in dirt jump bikes and whatnot but um but uh, yeah, so the the bearings are designed to run in uh, RPM settings that are more geared towards a hub, which you know you don't really run over two hundred RPMs on a hub, right? Versus like an alternator in a car that run at like six seven thousand RPMs. Yeah. Um, and then so by us controlling all of the applications of the of the uh, of the bearing, which means the material that we select, we do all the heat treating. We um, actually, you know, make sure they're uh, round, as round as we can make them. And then, as you see right here, Seth and I'll sh Jeff, you can kind of see these two pieces. Um, once they move through the process, our, our races, we actually mate them together, and then they finish the process together. So it's that was something that I learned when Jay took me through and did the thing, the tour. I had no idea. Like that was surprising to me that yeah. those two pieces went together. Yeah. So, wow. so, so even if they're, even if they're, you know, all, obviously all within tolerance and whatnot, but just off a smidge, they're, they're the same to each other. Yeah. So when you then apply the balls into them and they start rolling, yeah. you know, you don't have like maybe the inner race is just a slight bit off and the outer race a slight bit off. And then the combined the two, you combine the two and they could be, you know, still within tolerance, but sure. not as close as we'd want them. Yeah. So that's why they go through the process together. So there, there is almost as close to the same as you can get them. Are you able to share what kind of a tolerance you use for something like no, that? No, I'm not okay. really comfortable talking about that. That's Sorry, fine. I'm just curious. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I totally understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Minuscule. <laughs> and, and to be honest, Jeff, the reason why we haven't really talked about the bearing technology as a company is there's a lot of work that Chris did um, to, to figure out a lot of things to make our bearings work the way they do. There wasn't like a book out there that just says, here's how you make bearings. You know, he really had to think about this stuff and, and figure out like, okay, how do I design not just the races, steel snap rings, the, the ball retainers, how does this all work, right? What's the heat treat? You know, how, how, do, how hard do they need to be? Um, what kind of material do I need to use to, you know, make sure they last? All those things went into the bearing, which is, um, you know, at the end of it, it's the, core, it's the core part of the product. I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's what yeah. makes it move. Yeah, and <laughs> one of the things that I learned, again, on the tour that I took um, that was surprising to me is kind of the reason that Chris got, into making the bearing on his own anyway, which was basically all these bearing manufacturers telling him, no, we can't do what you're asking. And so he kind of took it upon himself to be like, well, that's what I need, you know? And yeah. so he just made it happen. So it is, it's really kind of an impressive piece. And like, I know, like I walked away from this going, geez, man, like I had no idea. And I've been working in the bike in industry for a bunch of years and I didn't know that like even just the bearing itself was such an, an intricate and kind of complicated piece. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so, yeah, I think about, f I think it's over 40% of our manufacturing is bearings. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, um, it is, it is a crucial part, yeah. you know, of our, even our manufacturing capacity is to do the bearings.
Well, the only parts I can think of that Chris King makes that don't use a bearing are headset spacers and top caps. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but they, but those two things actually go with something that that yeah. needs a bearing. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, uh, you talked about uh, kind of the bearing, um, and you've kind of brushed over sourcing materials. Um, what's kind of something that's unique to you guys, I would say, or generally unique to you about where you s source your materials? Uh, well, you know, we... we Try to source as much as we can uh, U.S. made, so you know USA U.S. made materials. Um, we've been working with a certain distributor for a very, very long time, um, so you know we kind of have that stuff really dialed in really well. Um, we know where the material is coming from. Um, it's part of our ethos, yeah. you know. Do it as much U.S. as possible, um, but you know, it's sometimes you can't always get everything, so we do use material from a couple other places, but we know how they're sourced and how the companies work. So we're comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. So, you know, we've, we've sourced us material for years. Yeah. I mean, that's, and you guys obviously are doing production in the U.S. yourself yeah. for all your stuff. And then um, one of the things was that was really cool is some of the processes you use in salvaging the, the kind of waste. Oh, the recycling yeah, stuff. The whole, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You want to touch on that a little sure, bit? Sure, sure. I'd be more than happy to. I mean, it's, it, you know, uh, when Chris, and it's kind of cool because um, this isn't like we decided one day that this is a really cool marketing thing and we should do better. Chris has always had this. Um, piece to him that's like, well, okay, if we're manufacturers, great, we're going to make the best parts possible. But in manufacturing, you also do something else, which is you make scrap. Yeah. Okay. So there's chips made, right? Yeah. So to be a responsible, um, a responsible manufacturer, um, how do we handle the waste? Because you do make waste as a manufacturer. So that really turned into a whole nother part of the business, which was, well, we need to do this right as well, not just make a good product, but yep. we need to be good stewards and not just you know, haphazardly move things out of the building and not worry about where they go. So um, we have uh, nothing special. We have this thing called the Puck Master. It's super cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really neat. Um, so what we do is is uh, we separate all the scrap when it comes out, all the chips to, to the um, make sure that the materials are the same. So if it's, you know, let's just say it's 2024 aluminum, we'll make sure we keep that all together and not combined the different materials together. Um, and then we're able to put it into this uh, machine called the Puckmaster. We make these little pucks, and what it does is it helps squeeze the excess. And we also use vegetable oil as our cutting oil, so we don't. Oh, really, cool. Yeah, we don't produce any hazardous waste to say from our cutting oils either. Um, so we use the Puckmaster, and it, it'll actually compress the chips together, and it, it'll squeeze the oil off the chips, and we can recycle about ninety-five percent of our cutting oils um from that yeah and then we put it back into a centrifuge and and clean the oil and put it right back into the machines so the the vegetable oil that we use really you know i'm not an engineer i trust my engineers right when we talk <laughs> about this stuff so i'm just yeah. that i'm gonna say that right now i am not an engineer um but uh they say that we pretty much have an infinite life on that cutting oil um, we can recycle it as many times. So you, you do lose some. So that's why we do have to actually buy some here and there because you will lose some. Um, but it can just be recycled over and over. So then when we have these chips and they're compressed, they're clean. Um, and uh, so it takes less trips to the shop from the recycler. 
So we can put more of these pucks in a, in a vat versus just a bunch of chips where trucks would have to come twice, I don't know, probably twice or three times as much to pick up the, the chips. But now they, only, they make less trips, which is less fuel, um, and, um, and they're clean. So we get the best money from the recycler for it, and it's really easy for them to take it back, smelt it down, and then put it back into the cycle, and I'm sure we just rebuy it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Do you have any idea uh, of the it, quantity of this cutting oil that you're recycling? Like, is this like, I think about machines and cutting oil, and I'm thinking like, you know, a coffee cup full of oil a day, or is it like <laughs> gallons? Is it drums a day, or is it just well, like a it, drop? Oh, no. So we've got a pretty big, pretty big okay. uh, shop floor. Um, so there's a lot of, lot of cutting oil out there. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's you know... I don't know. We buy the stuff in. Gosh, I don't even know how big the, those drums are. Oh, you, you get know, it in full on drums though. Like I'm just ballpark perspective. Yeah, the they're actually yeah, these big. Know. They're actually these big kind of um, like they're like plastic. You know, yeah. they're bigger than a 50, 55 gallon drum. Oh wow. Right? I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking like two hundred and fifty. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, but um, that stuff is just moving all the time, right? So it's not that, you know, we're not buying that much. Um, it's just moving around. So you got to kind of have a bunch on hand because you're moving sure. it. So as you're cleaning machines and you're putting it back in, there's just a lot of oil moving around, or should say cutting, you know, vegetable oil. Um, so, yeah, like I said, the only stuff that we have to buy is just, you know, we lose about 5% just, just through, you know, just through spilling or something falls out or you know whatnot and then when you clean machines and stuff you lose some oil because you're cleaning the machines and things like that but yeah yeah. how many people Uh, work at chris king like how big is this whole operation uh well i guess uh, anywhere between let's just put 65 and 75 people okay and what percentage is like within the business operations and what percent is on the manufacturing side uh manufacturing is pretty heavy so um you know i would say I don't know. It's probably a 60-40 split. Okay. You know, um, but if you look at then the support staff that goes along with the manufacturing, um, yeah, then you're getting even higher up there. You're probably more than 70 percent. You know, um, it's it's a manufacturing heavy operation. Yeah. Yeah. Now you've obviously worked for Chris King, left, and then come back to work for Chris King. What what's the draw? Like, <laughs> you know, what makes working there so awesome? Uh, well, there's a, there, I, I think there's a lot of things. Um, and let me just try to, you know, not ramble on about that. Uh, <laughs> well, when you, when you, when you make a, a product that is world-class and you have athletes of all types on your products. So we've been in the tour de France, you know, on dimension data's team mm-hmm. last year, uh, and then all the way to the syndicate, you know, on the World Cup downhill team, been, been with them for 11 years. Um, and then everybody, everybody in between, right? Cycle cross racers, whatnot. And when you're making this world-class product, there's really nothing more satisfying than being able to walk out at the end of the day and be like, you know, we make the best stuff. Like, yeah. we're not trying to sell somebody on something that doesn't make sense. It's like, this stuff was built to last. It's, I think it's the the best product on the market, hands down. And that will keep you coming back day and day, right? It's just like, yeah, absolutely. Why wouldn't I want to be part of this? Um, you know, so it, it, it's, it's, it's my, re- the, for me, it was my relationship with Chris. I really, uh, I really have a nice, I have a great relationship with Chris and I appreciate what he's done in 43 yeah. years, 
and you just want to be part of it. You know, you're just like, I, I really want to be part of this. And I want to, you know, would like to take this on for another 40 years and, and be uh, kind of that, you know, we make great product, but also the ethos of the company. It is super exciting to think how you can potentially lead into the future with that as well, not just the product. Yeah. Does that make sense? I, oh, totally. Yeah. Question? yeah. Okay. And the leadership role is that more like not? I mean, there's so many different aspects you could tie that into. Do you want to expand on a few potential leadership directions the company has wanted to take or has taken already? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Because that fits um, into why people probably want to continue to be employed there because it's a lot more empowering and fulfilling to work at a place that. Absolutely. That's a kind of a mentality. Yeah, it's, uh, well, you know, um, it's hard work. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to lie about that. I mean, you know, you, you, and we're very fortunate that the people we have that are making our product, they care. Yeah. Um, they, they generally care. You know, they, they want to make the best. Actually, we always call it, we have quality creep, which is awesome. It's always hard to deal with. We, people want to be too perfect sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so some of the other things that we're doing that's a little bit outside of the product, um, kind of going to the ethos of the business, is uh, we just applied for, uh, we just set our application in to be part of the B Corp, um, which is, I don't know how familiar you guys are with the B Corp. I am now from, <laughs> from learning it from you. Why don't, for our fans and listeners out there, uh, why don't you explain what this well, B Corp is? Well, I'll do the best is. that yeah. I can without having kind of my spiel in front of me. I'm just kind of winging it <laughs> yeah, right now, right? Um, we'll go with winging it. And you can look it up. It's it just, just Google B Corp. Um, I mean, it, it, it's there's a lot to it. Um, there's companies like Patagonia, um, New Belgium Brewery, New Seasons. Um, there's a lot of really good companies in there that are that are using their businesses um, to, to do even more than just, I make a great product. Um, you know, s- the big thing is like service your, uh, your stakeholders, that kind of stuff. It's more about, no, we need to treat employees right. We need to be good to the environment. We need to use our businesses beyond the products that we make. Yeah. And um, you can't depend on government and nonprofits to do it. it, right. it it's, it's time that businesses do just kind of take a stance and say, hey, we can do a little better than this. Um, so, uh, you know, cr- fortunate enough, Chris has always believed in this from the day that he started his business. So this was a really easy decision to make and yeah. say, hey, the B Corp is out there. I, I, did a, I did some research for about two years on this and um, met with a lot of people uh, that were part of this. And... Every one of them came back and said, yeah, this is, the, this is what we need to do as businesses. It's maybe not where it needs to be right now today, but it will be in the next couple of years. And um, so I was just really, you know, I was inspired. Um, people like in Portland, like Hopworks is another one, a local company, right, in New Seasons. Um, and then Foley is a, is a, is a uh, furniture company. So I, t- I met with all those people. And it just, at the end of the day, I was like, you know, we already do this let's just take it to the next level and let's make a commitment to it kind of in this higher level. Um, but we were already committed to it, but I think it's good for our company and then people outside our company to see that we really are committed to it by becoming part of the group. Yeah. And I think one of the things you mentioned in one of our rambling porch beer <laughs> drinking moments was, uh, Oh God. <laughs> yeah. No, this one's a good one. Uh, is that like, not only did it allow you guys to, um, kind of put a focus on this, but you actually started to realize some of the things that you were doing incredibly well, and then to identify some of the things where you could improve. And so it it gave you guys a bit of a roadmap 
for like, okay, what's next? Like once we have this process dialed to kind of, like you said, um, give back in some meaningful way, whether it's to the community or the environment or whatever, what's the next thing that we do? That's and right. that was a, kind of a cool like revelation moment as you were talking about this, uh, that it, it was this thing of like, there's always more we can do and it's meaningful, not just, you know, like this isn't just a pat yourself on the back thing. No. This is about uh, sustainability uh, for your customers. It's about sustainability for, you know, the environment and the world around you and about making sure that your business survives through this. And yeah. we, we talked about it a little bit today where we uh, saw corporate America, <laughs> uh, actually corporate international is kind of responding to this same type of movement. Absolutely. And, you know, there we questioned the uh, the veracity of the it. But, side of that. but uh, yeah, but at the same time, uh, it, this is a meaningful thing. And, you know, I resonate with it, right? Like uh, Patagonia, super expensive stuff. But man, I feel less guilt about buying that. And actually not even guilt, but like I actually feel like I'm supporting something good and and um, something that's affecting change in the world by supporting that company. Yeah. And I, I think consumers also will start to understand that that's the, I mean, it doesn't it's not free. Right. You know, I mean, corporations have to, you know, if they're going to do that, they have to invest in that. And that, that takes that takes money. Right. So, you know, kind of what we we're talking about today on our ride was just, you know, vote, vote with your wallet is always it's a great thing to say. It's really hard to do though, right? I mean, it's it, when you really get down to it and like every day you're going to go out and vote with your wallet, it, it's a lot of work. It's yeah. really hard to like do that every single day. Um, but, you know, that's that's kind of what you're buying buying with a lot of these companies and maybe it's a little bit more expensive. But if you know that they're, they're you know, the, the money's not just to a stakeholder, but it's really going towards reinvesting you know, and, and trying to do better as a company, which, you know, goes into the future, you know, it it makes sense. At least it makes sense to us. Fair enough. So, uh, you kind of touched on the, the quality of your products and, um, you, I think you use the word like longevity of our products. Um, and I think that that is a, a part of this B Corp ethos that you're working from, but you guys have something that's fairly new for you. Although fairly officially yeah, new, yeah, although officially you've been new. doing it pretty much forever. <laughs> um, but what are you guys doing to bring uh, an increased longevity to your products? In a so sense? you must be talking about our lifetime warranty. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Seth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we rolled out uh, our, our new uh, lifetime warranty um, on all of our products. Um, so bottom brackets, headsets, uh, hubs, and all the pieces inside. So all the bearings, everything. Um, and it's something that, you know, we've already had a, a, a 10-year warranty on the headsets and five years on the bottom brackets and the hubs. And it was just, you know, once again, you know, when we started looking at this and, and seeing what was going on out there in the in the market, we're like, you know, we already do this. I mean, people send stuff back to us and most of the time, and we have one tech, one tech person. Um, Tyler is amazing. And so, you know, a 43-year-old company, we just have one person in our warranty and tech department. And yeah, so it kind of gives you an indicator, right, of, of what, you yeah. know, how, how much stuff doesn't come back. Yeah. Um, 
And a lot of it is just service. A lot of it is just we get it and we just we look at it and go, oh, well, we just need to clean the bearings for you. We just need to clean them out, re-lube them, put them back together, and, and away you go. And uh, just to kind of go back to the bearings real quick, you know, they definitely are, the older they are, the faster they are. So yeah. we try to really encourage people, like, listen, you, you don't want to buy new bearings. Trust me, this is not what you want to do. You want to just service them and clean them because they're getting faster and faster. Yeah, and they actually burnish the yeah, races so yeah, they get yeah, faster. They do, um, especially if you have ceramic bearings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those but things. Let's make that yeah. happen on my bike. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, but even, like, uh, even uh, I know the, the syndicate guys, like Doug, their mechanic and stuff yeah. like that, you know, when he's interviewed, he's like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just they just get faster and faster with time. And so most of the, the, you know, the pros that ride our stuff, they ride the oldest stuff on their race bikes. Yeah. And then they use the newest stuff on their training bikes. But they come back to, you know, what we were talking about. Um, so lifetime warranty. Um, like I said, we were already doing it pretty much, um, unless something was just really heavily abused. Um, then maybe we would, you know, have somebody buy a part or something like that to put it back. But, you know, Chris just kind of, when we talked about it, Chris, you know, he just kind of looked at us was like, yeah, I, I, you know, we designed the parts to, to, to last a lifetime. That's what we did. I mean, that was, everything that we've done is, is gone through that scrutiny. It's not about fashion and fad. It's not about, well, you know, in three years we'll obsolete right. it. Um, so yeah, we just kind of all sat around and talked about it. And when we looked over at Chris and he just looked at us and went, I don't know why we're not doing it already. It was like, <laughs> okay. I mean, it was about that simple, you know? Um, nice. So we just decided to, to roll it out. And I know, you know, we said the lifetime warranty starts January 1, 2019. Right. And a lot of people have said, well, what about I bought something December, right, or, or later? Well, just so people know, you know, you, there's always been a five-year warranty on this stuff, yeah. on the hubs and the bottom brackets and a 10-year on the headset. So we're just telling people, like, well, just send it to us. I mean, you know, we, we have this policy, but just send it to us and talk to us and we'll make sure everything's good. You yeah, know, similar to other companies I've worked for and seen out and about too. Yeah. 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 Now let me ask when you say a lifetime warranty, very leading question here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> are you saying that if I send my, my um, not functioning hub into you that I get a new hub or what is your, what type of warranty are we actually talking Man, about? Man, great question. Look yeah. at you guys. Um, so the product is made to last, right? Uh, it's serviceable, it's fixable, all that stuff. So we, one of the things about our lifetime warranty, um, you'll, you know, in the consumer world, a lot of people will just be like, send it back, I'll send you a new one, right? Well, what happens to what you just sent back? I mean, if 50% of it is good, what are they doing with this stuff, right? This goes back to kind of the ethos of waste. So um, we're really big. The product is, we feel the product is good enough that, you you might break something and we'll have to replace something, but it it's not going to be the whole the whole thing. Um, so our lifetime warranty is about repairing and and replacing what maybe needs to be replaced. But it's not just like oh yeah, I'll send you a new one. It's just like what we do with the bearings. We we get a lot of people that'll say, hey, my bearings are bad. Send me new bearings. They're trained to think that way, right? Um, because that's how a lot of companies will do it. It's just like, Hey, I'll put two more in the, in the, in the mail and you'll get them in two days. Right. Um, we're always like, uh, our bearings are made to last, so they might just need to be serviced. So why don't you get them back to us? We'll take a look at them. If they do need to be replaced for whatever reason, of course we will, but the odds are it just needs to be serviced. Yeah. Um, 
and like I said, with the product designed to just get better and better with time, that is not, you know, we don't want our consumers just, you know, getting rid of something. It's like, no, it's going to get faster and you're going to enjoy it even more. So let us, let us just, you know, fix it or clean it and it'd be good to go. I like it. I like it. Um, now let's talk, uh, we've talked about your bearings, but I think one of the products that is in some ways most exciting is your guys's hubs, not so much just because of the bearings that get faster as they age, but you guys also have a really cool mechanism for how your, your hub, your free hub actually works. Mm-hmm. So you want to walk us through that so people can hopefully imagine this. If not, Visit Jensen USA. You can see these things. Uh, we're going to be posting more about this. Actually, uh, we were just talking today about doing some videos with Chris King uh, for these very types of things. But really cool. But yeah, Kirby, yeah. how does this thing work? Well, uh, you know, kind of hard to just talk about. It's better if I had, you know, I could show everybody true, true. out there yeah. uh, because it, it makes a lot more sense when you just see it work. It's really simple. Um, but it's a driving. It's it's a it's a ratchet system. It's a driving. We have a drive ring and a driven ring. And uh, we have a helical spline that's on the drive shell. And basically, it, it's, it, all it does is, is when you go to pedal, basically because of the helical spline, it just wants to drive everything together. So it's not just like a tooth catching um, or three teeth catching or four. It's our, our, our mountain hub has 72 teeth. Mm-hmm. So all 72 teeth engage. So it's, it's basically, uh, it just mashes itself together. I mean, this is a simple way of saying it. That's not the, that's not the, obviously the it engineering mates term. perfectly together. Yeah, it mates perfectly together. Um, so it gives you 100% engagement of the system. Um, and, um, and the harder you pedal because of the helical spline that drives it together, the harder you pedal, the more it just wants to drive itself together. So it, it, it you know, I mean, we've have ratings and stuff and we're doing some more testing now, but you know, we've seen numbers as high as 800 foot pounds where the machine broke and we didn't, you know, yeah, it's like, or the, or the drive shell itself will twist, yeah. you know, the material or something like that. But, but the drive and driven rings won't give out and they're stainless steel, heat treated stainless steel. So they're, they're really strong. Yeah. Um, and it is, it's, it's a really, it's actually a simple system when you see it, not the easiest to manufacture by any means. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, a lot of tolerances to them to make all those teeth work together like that, you know, make sure they're all going to made up and, and it's a circle. Yeah. So in machining world, anytime you make anything round, it's, you know, it's difficult. Right. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, now you said, uh, the drive rings are both stainless steel. Yes. Now that's probably something that in the world of, of weight weenies, um, that's something that people go, oh no, heavy, right? But I think that goes back to your guys' ethos about, like this is about longevity. Yeah. Because I wouldn't say your hubs are heavy. They are by far competitive. Absolutely. Um, but they are not the lightest out there. But the drive ring allows you to, I mean, like you said, 800, was it 800 foot pound? Yeah, foot that's pound. crazy. Yeah. Um, that, that's way beyond anything I can throw at. Oh it. yeah, yeah. I mean, you kind of get to these. You kind of get to these numbers, right? That you go, okay. When does it become kind of like, uh, okay, uh, that's more than anything that'll ever get thrown yeah. at, right? It becomes like kind of like, uh, okay. But um, you, you're, you're correct. Um, the product, there, there's there's a balance um, with our product. Uh, lightweight versus longevity. 
right? You, you can't have both. It, it's really hard to get both of those to work together. You can either be super lightweight, which means it's going to be fickle, right? And you're probably going to break things and whatnot because you're shaving all the, all the weight you can. Um, or you're trying to go for more of the longevity, high performance, you know, yeah. it'll last. So yeah, our weights are, I feel our weights are competitive, but we're not in that realm of, of super uber lightweight because we just feel that the product won't perform then yeah. at the level we want our product to perform. So there's a balance there, um, you know, and hopefully consumers understand that, you know, like, okay, I get it. You know, I can get something really lightweight, yeah. but it might be, you know, replacing, fixing, whatever, or I could go a little heavier and, and just have this bomb proof setup that. I can ride for years and years and years and years. Yeah. One thing I really wanted to ask you about, back in the like late 90s, BMX bikes are using threadless headsets and they're just exploding. So everyone's coming out with quarter inch balls, like Primo, FSA had these gnarly huge headsets. And the choice was spend 25 bucks on a lower cup that uses quarter inch balls or just get a Chris King headset. And so you have these 40-pound, 20-inch wheel BMX bikes, and half of them are running Chris King headsets. And that's the same headset that, like, cross-country racers are using. So did it surprise you guys that the BMX crew discovered that your regular threadless headset was stronger than their gnarly BMX-specific headset? Was that surprising to the company? Uh, I don't know if it was really surprising. Um, you know, when we designed a lot of these, you know, when Chris did all the work on these bearings, I mean, he understood what they could handle, right? So I don't, I mean, it was kind of one of those, like, once again, you know, Chris just going, well, yeah, of course you would use it on that. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, duh. Um, so I don't think it was really su super surprising. Okay. Um, but, um, you know, uh, like I said, the product was designed to handle all those applications. So it was, it was more like, yeah, I mean, yeah, this can totally handle that abuse. No problem. Sweet. That's one yeah. of the few times I've ever seen like one component work all the way from road bikes, <laughs> downhill bikes, and then these crazy BMX dudes in the X Games. Like literally all of these bikes consistently could work with those. And I, I don't know the warranty side of it all, but I didn't break a single, I went through, I don't know how many sets of forks, frames, yada, yada. Yeah. My, I still have the same headset on my Mojo tie now that I had on my standard you know, hardened Waterford, Wisconsin steel BMX bike. It's yeah, 20 nice. years later, still going. So we, we used to have a running joke that we we're like, gosh, there's got to be a gigantic hole somewhere that someone's just shoveling headsets into because <laughs> they're not coming back. They're not broke, but they just, we keep selling them. You're like, yeah, yeah. the same person's <laughs> buying another, you know, like, like, this yeah. is interesting, you know? <laughs> yeah. Where do they go to die? Cause it's not, yeah, where do they either. go? You know? Um, but we do, we have, we still see stuff that comes in that's 25 years yeah. old. Um, people will call us and be like, Hey, I got this headset that I bought. And it's like, yeah, send it back. We'll take care of it. No problem. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's super cool stuff. Plus it comes in crazy, beautiful colors and, uh, there's always new colors coming. So, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, yeah. keep your eyes out for fancy <laughs> new colors. So, yeah, um, so we've talked about product and stuff like that. Um, what what kind of things are you guys doing within uh, your community, like to either promote cycling or just a better community altogether? Like, what things does Chris King do out there in the world? Um, well, I mean, right now, you know, a lot of it is is really centraled around um, you know our consumers and and trail advocacy and stuff like that. You know, that has to do with our our industry. But this is this is the other piece of the B Corp. 
mm-hmm. you know, is learning what can we do better? What are the things that we need to do as a company to do better into the community? Yeah. So um, that's why I'm really excited about the B Corp because I think a lot of times you make these decisions um, kind of in your own little bubble, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really nice to use somebody like the B Corp to say, okay, you know, let's look at this as a, as a bigger picture and what are the things that we can do that are better and how do we need to allocate our resources to do that? So, um, you know, we kind of retreated back a little bit for a couple of years, just kind of worrying, you know, looking at our product and our product mix and, and all the standard changes that happened in the industry kind of really, you know, it, 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 it made us busy. Um, we had to figure a bunch of things out because yeah. over the last five years we had a bunch of, you know, the product changed so much or the, I should say the, the standards, you know, changed a bunch. Um, yeah, yeah, right. So what it did is it, it just put us into kind of more like, wow, we really need to pay attention to this. And, and we weren't able to do the things that we probably really wanted to do, which yeah. is out in the community as much. Um, but now that we're, I think things have settled down a little bit and we can start looking back outside. Heavens. Yeah. Um, those are the things we're going to start working on again in 2020, which is, okay, how do we need to engage our community better? Um, we want to, we always love, you know, working with youth as much as possible. Cause that's, that's the bread and butter, right? That's, you got to keep young kids involved. Yeah. Um, being with the, now with the Timberline bike park coming on and stuff like that, trying to yeah. figure out how to work with them, um, to, to get people involved in cycling. And then even outside of cycling, any nonprofits and things like that, that we feel will help the Portland area, um, you know, our, our community, right where we live. Yeah. Um, we'll be looking in all those, all those directions. I like it. Uh, you mentioned the standards thing. Um, so obviously this can be a benefit to bikes, right? Like good things can come from new standards. Um, but it can also be a challenge to, uh, the end user. How, how have you guys tried to respond to that or, is that a frustration to you guys? Is that, you know, like, how do you, how do you work within that? Cause unfortunately I don't think you guys are quite big enough to set the standards yourself. Correct. Well, we do the best that we can. Um, and you know, when you're dealing with the product mix that we do, which is, uh, hubs, headsets and bottom brackets, right. That, that makes it even, you know, makes it a little bit more challenging because it's not just like, Oh, well, our whole business is hubs right. or our whole business is bottom brackets. It's, you know, we're in the three, these three spaces. Um, and it is definitely, it has been challenging over the last five years. Um, because of us, you know, manufacturing everything, you can't just turn things on and off, mm-hmm. uh, for like a year or two and then just obsolete it. And that goes completely against what we're about. So, you know, um, I would say when all this was going on, you know, maybe a lot of people were like, I don't understand why you're not coming out with this. And I understand why you're not coming out with that. And it's, it's like, well, we, we need to make sure that this is going to stay around because mm-hmm. a, there's a cost involved in doing it. But B, I think probably the bigger thing is we're not going to make something for a couple of years and then it just disappears. Um, that really goes against, you know, that's not who we are. We want to make sure that when someone buys a product, they can, they can go for as long as possible. So yeah, um, standards have, it's been interesting. I, I, you know, I'm going to keep my opinion very light on this one. I think, I I think innovation's great. Don't get me wrong. Right. I mean, I, we need to innovate. I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I, I think though there have been plenty of times where I've, I've definitely have been very challenged with, is this innovation or is this just, we got to make something, we got to do something. Um, 
And it feels like it's finally calmed down a little bit now where uh, I think the consumer, you know, I, I think the consumer really fatigued too. Um, that's what we heard, right? The consumer confidence really got fatigued. And the thing we got worried about was, well, man, I don't want people to leave the bike biz, you know, the bike, the sport itself and right. start like paddle boarding or something instead, because they're going, listen, man, I, I bought an expensive bike and I can't even upgrade it or, or yeah. you know, or, or yeah. Yeah, I can't. Whatever. Um, so that was our that was our concern, which leads into why do we do the open house, right? And that's when yeah. we started the open house several years ago was to try to have some sort of forum um, that just put industry people together to just talk about that. You know, like is it good for the consumer? Yeah, we need to we need to take care of the the local bike shops and the consumers um, because they're the ones that are you know purchasing the stuff, and yeah. and if you lose their confidence. You know, they'll go somewhere else. Yeah. So I think innovation is great. I'm not, a, that's not what I'm, you know, I just think that if you're going to innovate though, think about it, let's do the right thing. You know, for us, it's always been, is it an advancement forward? And if it is not an advancement forward, unless it's a marketing thing that just took over and you can't control that, yeah. then maybe there is something we have to do. Right. Um, but so that's kind of how we, we try to handle it. Um, Yes. I think you answered that about as well as you could. <laughs> I was like ready to start throwing specifics out there. Then I'm like, wait a second. No, we can't do that. I, think <laughs> no, kind of like I don't want bottom. to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's totally you know? fine. There yeah. is one thing I do want to ask about, though, and it may or may not have to do with the standards thing. So we all know about headsets, bottom brackets, hubs. And then there was a CLO project as well. But are there other components that Chris King has made and then taken out of the product line that were outside of those three categories? Um. We've just talked about a lot of things. We've okay. done a lot of prototyping on stuff, um, but we haven't really brought anything in and then took it back out. Um, I think Cielo is probably the best example of you know kind of that one product that we did. Yeah, and okay. that that only that only the only reason why we stopped doing that the product was fantastic. There was no problem with it. We just knew that as the so those standards were changing so fast. We just realized, like, wow, we just got to focus on our core right now. We can't, we can't focus on that as all these standards are kind of moving around, and you know, controlling, making sure that we don't have some wild skew proliferation happening. Sure, company of only seventy people, you need to stay lean and product yeah. as well as the staff. Exactly. So you know, that's 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 one of the the, the bigger you know. Um, I would that's say reality right there. Yeah. That is. It is. Do you have reality. any cool projects like in the back engineering corner that never came to fruition that you can tell us about? Like Fox has like the inverted forty. I think they messed around with linkage forks at one point. Like some of these companies will tell us about that. Honda had the RN01 downhill bike. I mean, that thing was you guys, crazy. I know. Does Chris King have any cool like? Do you guys have any seat posts or anything? Like that's just a random <laughs> example. I don't know. But do you have anything cool like that in the back? shelf you can tell us about um to be really honest we have some stuff that we've we've been you know we've messed with and and look at and um but i i hate to say this because i sound so lame saying this i'm not really at liberty to talk that's about totally it fair that's point. totally 100 percent fair <laughs> I have no limitations. I keep telling Chris that I need matching stem and handlebar to go with my headset and everything, right? And cranks, like, that's what I need. I just need it so it's color matched. So, you know, kind of on that, um, yeah, because Seth and I actually did get into this discussion, like, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? You know, uh, you guys turn things. You make aluminum pieces, you know. Um, and, and actually, to be honest, I mean, making aluminum bits, like, making the hub shell, um, you know, headset cups, things like that. 
that's not hard. That's actually not that difficult. Um, you know, making it colorful is, those are relatively easy things. Um, but we make bearings. Yeah. So like I said, 40 over 40% of our capacity is tied into a bearing, right? Yeah. So if all we did, if we actually purchased bearings, it would be a whole different, you know, I, I would be really disappointed if we didn't have, you know, other things going sure, with our products sure, sure. because, but, but, but because of, because of the bearings that we make and, and that is such a core piece, that's why we've really focused on bearing orientated products. Um, and the other stuff we're like, yeah, we could get there, but you know, just so much of our capacity is tied into the bearing yeah. world that it, 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 you know, we just have to be really smart about it because you can go chase all these things that we have the capacity, we have the cap- capability of doing a lot of just amazing stuff in our shop. So we can be like cats and we got to be super careful because a bunch of people can start going, oh, oh we can do this and we can do that. And well, like, well. Steve Jobs from Apple had a great quote about how the, the best decisions they made was to figure out what to say no to. Because yes. Apple had so many possible directions to go, but they just stayed more focused. And I think that played out for that company pretty well. It seems like you guys are following the same ethos. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've done better at it. Let's put it that way. We've, we have really kind of, uh, like I said, I think this, when, when the industry lit up and all those standards started coming, that really put us, you know, that made us really sit there and go, whoa, okay, we need to be careful with this yeah. because you could go a lot of different directions and will any of it really pan out? Yeah. Um, and will it hurt your core, your core product, your core competency? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that we have on a list that we'd love to do. We talk about them. We get excited about them. Um, and if we find the time that we can add some capacity or do something like that, you'll maybe see some different stuff come from Chris King. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, yeah, I'll just the- run normal black bars <laughs> of a normal black stem to go with my... Fancy I'm sure there's base. anodizers in Hood River that can take care of all that for you. Probably, yeah. yeah. I'm sure yeah. there are some. I keep telling Kirby I'm going to just drop off my cranks to get dipped. So. <laughs> yeah. That would be sweet. One awesome. thing I wanted to ask about real quick. Well, there's, there's two real burning questions here. But one, um, I did a trip to Japan when I was working at WTB to visit our distributor there. I went to some of the big shops there, like Simwork Circles mm-hmm. that set up, and then Grumpy down in... I think he's in Hiroshima or something. It was was a few years ago I was down there, but I kept seeing uh, the biggest variety of bikes, Surleys, all cities, a bunch of them not super high-priced bikes, but the one thing they all had in common were just sweet Chris King headsets, bottom brackets, hubs, and I was blown away. Everyone had, everyone was set up with Chris King stuff. And so I, I wanted to ask, what's your have you guys put like an extra emphasis on the Japanese market? I, I think Chris goes over quite a bit as well, but it, I noticed there's a big car manufacturing, there's huge history in Japan. So I'm wondering, and they told me that the taking pride in the process of building something with high tolerance is important in the Japanese culture. So now I'm starting to understand it more. But from your side, have you guys put like, let's just focus on Japan first? Like what was your guys' side yeah. of that? Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, so our distributor, which you just mentioned, SimWorks, right? Um, so we've, we've worked with Shinya over there, SimWorks, for a long time. Great guy. Um, and he really, I think, helped us understand that Japanese market a little bit. And you're right. Um, the, the Japanese market is really into high-quality craftsmanship, right? I think that's probably the best way to say it. Yeah. Um, and, and so we fit that mold like perfect uh, for you know, what, they, what they look at it as quality. Um, so, yeah, we just worked with him a lot, uh, you know, our distributor. And, you know, wow. once again, 
you know, we have so much capacity, right? So we don't have infinite amount of capacity. So you, you know, you're only spit, you know, you're, you're only producing so much. So how, you know, where does it go? Yeah. Where are you selling it? Right. Um, so yeah, the Japanese market, we've gone over there. We used to do the gourmet century. I don't oh, know cool. if you guys if heard of that or not, but for years we did the gourmet century, which was a, which was a metric century, uh, road ride. And then every 15 miles you had a f- gourmet food stop. So that you'd either have awesome. like, yeah, dude, it's it pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so cool. yeah, you would have like a, maybe your first stop would be a more of a snack and then your lunch stop would be, you know, obviously more, you know, more food yeah. and, and music. And then your next stop would be maybe another snack and then you end up with a dinner. And we did that over in Japan. We teamed up with, with, uh, uh SimWorks nice. and, and whatnot and did that over there. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a hit. It was, you know, uh, everybody really enjoyed it. Chris went over and did a lot of speaking over there. Um, and yeah, they, they understand our brand. And I think also it's kind of interesting Portland itself and, and then, you know, different cities in Japan, there's a connection there. Um, the, the, I think, um, our, uh, our economic development team here in Portland works specifically with other other cities in Japan, so there's a there's a close link there as well. Nice. Um, yeah, so you know we didn't really, you know, did we really attack the market? We we just kind of you know they asked for it and we delivered, um, and that's kind of that's how we handled it. You know, they they understand it though. It's it's really neat. It's super yeah. fun to work with them. Cool, nice, very right, cool. I can't wait to get back over there. That was such a, such a fun trip. Oh, uh, it's so it's so amazing over there. I mean, it's yeah, it's really neat. Maybe you and I need to plan a ski slash snowboarding trip over there. You know, I just had someone hit me up not too long ago about going over there and skiing. So yeah, yeah, right. I think this, this this maybe needs to happen. So, Jeff, you said you had one more question. Yeah, it seems like the company is doing awesome, which is super cool. And I see these pictures of Chris all over the world. Saw him at Downeyville. I've seen him at Sea Otter, yada, yada. But it seems like he's always wearing the same shirt. So how come with the company taking off, he only has the one work shirt? (laughs) Maybe he has 30 of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you guys are horrible. Uh, So I guess it probably just goes along with the business ethos, man. That's totally cool. Yeah, it's it's you know if it's not broke, if it's not wore out, why am I getting rid of it? You know, <laughs> that's so, awesome. No disrespect is at all. No, I totally get it. With that. <laughs> you guys are too funny. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I would say I, that that's the best answer. I think is that cool. you know, yeah, if it's not broken, not wore out, I don't need to buy another one. Why? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I definitely did not know really what to expect. I. I don't know why I'd never seen Chris before, but like, I mean, I think I had seen him in passing, but like, you know, like in some photo on the internet or whatever, but like, I didn't have this like innate knowledge of who or what he looked like. So the first time I met him, I'm like, oh yeah, no, that makes sense. (laughs) You know, like, yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, Chris is, Chris is a great guy. He's a, um, he is actually uh, one of the smartest guys I've ever worked with. Um, he just has a way of uh, he just has a way of thinking about things in a in a way that the fun part is is he challenges you, right? So he thinks in these three hundred and sixty degree views. So it's not linear, you know. Um, it can come at you in all different directions, which I think is really fun. It's challenging, and it, it can it can really like you know mess with people a little bit. They can get really kind of you know challenged by it, but it's it's how the product became what it is 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 through chris being able to think in those directions and really 
try things and think about it in another direction, try it and not just get stuck in one, one zone. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's one hell of a guy. Um, I feel, you know, we all feel pretty damn honored to be part of the group, um, to know that, you know, shoot, this company has been around 43 years, you know, it's like how many, how many bike companies that are making their own stuff for 43 years, right? That hasn't finally started outsourcing. And you've been there for, do you have like an actual year tally for how long you've been Uh, there? Yeah, I've been, well, I've been on and off 19 years. 19? 19. Now have Chris's gourmet pancake and fajita cooking skills that they rubbed off on you or did you bring your skills (laughs) to Chris? (laughs) I I don't even, no way, man. I'm not going to that realm. He he (laughs) blows me away. I I wouldn't even try it. You know, I always laugh. I'm I'm like, if we got to eat, everybody's like, where do you want to go? And they look at me and I'm like, are you kidding me? You're asking me? (laughs) Does it have beer? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm like, you guys are the the foodies. I'm just going along for the ride. (laughs) Chris, do you do the Downey, or Kirby, do you do the Downeyville Classic every year? No, you know, we used to do it every year, and yep. we pulled back about four years ago. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, and um, we we just pulled back because we wanted to refocus on a couple of things, um, but now we're kind of like, we're kind of coming back to some of this stuff again, and and I think it's it's time to start uh, reaching back out and exploring those areas again. But yeah, Downeyville Classic was awesome. We had so much fun doing that. I mean, cooking the fajitas and the pancakes, yeah. and, and, you know, uh, food, is, food is a great... Um, I don't know. It's a great, it's a great way to get to somebody. Yeah. Right? The great unifier. It is. Yeah. It is. And, and it's something that Chris has always believed in. That's where the gourmet century came from. That's gotcha. where cooking this, you know, we've all, gosh, since I've been with Chris and the company, there's always been some form of food somehow incorporated into something. Yeah. Even our cafe at work. Yeah. I was going to say, you guys you know. put a big focus, yeah. n- not just on that, but like you guys have like a really cool, this sounds weird, but a really cool bathroom and shower facilities and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, Chris really believed when he started, you know, when we really started becoming more of a company, um, just like, hey, if people are going to spend a lot of their time here, which is, you know, 40 hours plus yeah. a week. Well, you better enjoy where you work. I mean, you better like, you better like come in and go. Oh well, at least I have a a, a good place to eat. I I can you know I have a good locker room to clean up whatever, yeah. and it, it's not just here's a table underneath a fluorescent light and here's yeah. a vending machine, right? <laughs> or go outside and smoke on the the picnic table that's about ready to fall apart outside yeah. or in the corners. Is it was like well let's make community. Try to yeah. be this as much community as possible. So. Um, in Reading is when we started the cafe nice. in the company. And uh, and that's been really kind of this, you know, kind of like a, a, a middle part of our company. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's one of those, you maybe don't realize how much you enjoy it until the day you walk out and you go, oh, my gosh, that was so, yeah, wow, you know. Yeah. And you guys have a, like part of your commuter program for yeah. your employees that commute in. They can actually earn money via yeah. their miles yeah. or whatever so, yes. for the cafe. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if you ride, yeah, if you ride in, we have basically how far you live from work. Um, and it's not just riding; it's all sorts of alternative transportation. Oh, so cool. it could be it could be skateboarding, it could be riding the bus, it could be carpooling, any walking, running, whatever. It doesn't matter as long as you're just not driving yourself. Um, then you can. Uh, yeah, you log in on a computer that we have down in our bike room because we have a in, big indoor bike parking area. Um, and you just log in, and we have in the computer then how far you, you live from work and whatnot, and it's worth so many so many dollars. Nice. Cool. And um, so the idea was that if you commuted every day, you basically could get like 
you know, maybe a, a bowl of soup or a salad every day for free. Nice. Right. Oh, nice. Um, but a lot of people will just pool, pool up their dollars. Right. And then they'll, then they'll just start using them at some point or whatever. Bring their significant other for a day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's a really, it's, it's really neat. And then a couple of times a year we do do a bicycle, uh, commute challenge. Um, one of them is in conjunction with the street trust in Portland, which, what is that? May, I think. April or May, I can't remember, Um, where we, you know, it's a challenge for the whole city. The city does it. Um, And then we do special things for that. So, like, if you ride, if you ride every day during that month, you can get, I think it's it's one or two additional PTO days off. Um, Yeah, I can't remember. We changed it. It changed and we just moved. We did something different this year. So I think it's maybe two days. And, um, and then you get, uh, we work with a lot of industry people to get raffle prizes and stuff. And one of the other big prizes is like $500 uh, in King bucks. So then you can basically get $500 worth of King product. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's really fun. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I need to start. uh, Does my commute from my bed to my office count? <laughs> like, can I get I, in on this? Well, I, yeah, I, I guess. I guess crawling works, right? It's not a car. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I burn very little fossil fuel because yeah. I'm new. Uh, well, awesome. Uh, do you have anything left on your side? Or? That was the majority of my, my hard questions for Kirby here. journalism. <laughs> oh, I yes. hope I answered him. Did I answer him okay for you guys? Or do you need any clarification on anything? Or did well, I just want to know, it wasn't just always laundry day for Chris there with the shirt, so. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most important question. <laughs> you guys are too fun. Uh, well... It was awesome sitting down with you, Kirby. Uh, always awesome riding with you. Uh, you know, anytime you want to come out, I'm willing to go for a ride. Or come up um, here to Bellingham. We're not that yeah, far north. Yeah, we need to come up to Bellingham. I mean, you know, uh, Seth wore me out today, so I, I got to give him so, give him credit on that one, man. <laughs> I, uh, I told cool. Kirby today, I said, you know, the good thing about riding with you is I know that I'm always going to lose on the climb, but I'm always going to lead you on the downhill. Yeah, so uh, that's, that's the claim to fame there is that. <laughs> He can be faster uphill, and he is. Nice. Uh, but uh, I, I will try to take it on the downhill. Uh, so. You got me. You got me on the downhill, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. But cool. uh, hey, uh, Jeff, uh, Chris King Open House, October 12th. You should come. Come on down. So. Oh, man. Let me check the calendar real quick. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, and, and we have the, uh, the forum is on that Thursday where we get all the uh, industry people together for that panel discussion. Mm-hmm. So check that out. If you've got uh, open, can I or YouTube something. that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know why not. I mean, that's that's what it's there for. Nice. Um, that could be so, kind of a cool little little adventure there. I'm kind of curious about doing a project in Hood River because the um, the trails there are potentially at risk. So yeah. it'd be kind of nice to highlight that. See if we can get some more momentum going to save everything, keep it where yeah. it is. So yeah, it might yeah. be nice to package two into one. You never know. No. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're more than welcome to come down. You're always invited. Doors always open. Thank come you. Come see us. Yeah, you got a cafe you can yeah, eat Yeah, I'll buy you lunch. <laughs> thanks. That'd be <laughs> rad. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Kirby. It's been great. And uh, thanks for you know showing off Chris King and all the things that make it a unique and interesting company. I'm stoked on the whole B Corp thing. Yeah, uh, lifetime great. warranty. Uh, like I was telling you today, uh, to me, it's one of the selling factors on my n- newly coming wheel set yeah. uh, that we're working on. Yeah, because yeah. between that and the Santa Cruz Reserve stuff, like that's basically a wheel that has a lifetime warrant. I mean, like 
doesn't matter what I do to it, it's still going to be covered, which is amazing. Yeah, it's pretty awesome um, thinking that you got a, a, a wheel set that is actually a lifetime warranty yeah. wheel. Yeah, wow. kind of bonkers. Yeah, I mean, so. it's like, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, to all our listeners out there, thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we try to do a new episode or podcast uh, about every month-ish. Uh, and Jeff's lining up some pretty cool ones coming up, so you'll want to pay attention to what's coming through. You can find us on SoundCloud, Google Play, or iTunes, so make sure you add your subscriptions to your favorite channel. Uh, and it, make sure you check out Chris King Buzz on Instagram. Make sure you're following all the stuff they're doing there. Uh, Jeff Kendall Weeds on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all the interesting social channels. <laughs> Uh, and is constantly putting out cool stuff. If you haven't, make sure to check out his latest Local Loam series where he goes up to Kamloops, BC, and absolutely shreds the trails. Although I did watch your video of that kid who was sending it at oh, the Oh, Soren was phenomenal. I kept following him through the jumps because like, these are some of the biggest jumps around on the whole West Coast for sure. Well over yeah. head height, like probably nine foot tall lips. And I'm there I'm, after riding for 12 hours all day. I'm shattered. Clipless pedals, 130 travel full suspension trail bike, open yeah. face helmet. And this kid's on a dirt jump hardtail. And he's just at least 15 feet off the lips on each yeah. one. And so I'm following wow. him through and he's doing these dumped 360s where his front wheel is like straight down, rear wheel's up, and like his front wheel will come by my face in the yeah. air. And I'm already like, I'm not going nearly as high as him, maybe eight or 10 feet up over the height of this lip. So I'm close to 20 feet high in the air. I'm feeling like it's high. And yeah. I'm looking up and he's just spinning backwards, upside down, right in front of me in the air. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, dude, it, it was crazy. Cause we all know that Jeff sends, I mean, there's no question, right? Like I've seen the video. Our, our joke <laughs> is that I'm better than you right now, but that is literally a limited moment. Oh man, um, It's not about being but, better. It's about having fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But watching this kid jump, like, it was visible just how much higher he was. And oh, just he like, was shredding. Oh, man. Yeah. So, Amazing. yeah, we made sure to give him a follow on cool. uh, both the Jensen and my personal Instagram. So cool. Thank that you. kid was shredding. So. Soren's a good yeah. guy. So uh, make sure you check out uh, Jeff Kendall Weed at his website as well, jeffkendallweed.com. That's nice and easy. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see you, Jeff, at the open house. I'm going to be there, and, uh, yeah, we can put out some cool content. That would be yeah. awesome. All Thank, right. Well, Jeff, Seth, I just want to tell you guys once again, thanks a lot for having me on. This yeah. has been great. Um, you know, anything you guys need in the future, just let me know. Thank Sweet. you. Thanks so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. All yeah. right, everybody, keep pedaling. Keep pedaling.